Hey, everyone. Welcome to Queerly Recommended. I am Tara Scott, and I'm back, as always, with my co-host, Chris Bryant. Hello. Welcome to episode 20. How are we already on 20 episodes? We are, plus our bonus episodes, so technically more than 20. That's true. We're at 22. That's right. right. If you haven't had a chance to check it out, go back, dig through the archives. We had a great conversation with Georgia Beers. And we tried our first ever audio commentary track to go with the film. I was maybe kind of high with an edible and Chris maybe had had a couple of drinks. <laughs> but if you <laughs> want to hang out with us in Ocean's 8, it is perfect for maybe an upcoming movie night for you. That's right. So uh, we just want to give a real quick shout out to Lacey Marshall, who supported us on Kofi, And she included the note, ha ha ha, Tara, the L word was my late night nursing show too with my oldest kid. Love the podcast. Thank you, Lacey. The thing that I actually love about this is Lacey and I went to university together long enough ago that I don't care to actually note how long ago it was. And I'm pretty sure that this means that she was actually watching The L Word not too long after I was, because I think our oldest kids are about the same age. So thank you, thank you, thank you, Lacey. I so love that you listen to the show and that you support us. And I also love that that was something that we shared a decade ago and we didn't even know about it. And for anyone who's not familiar, Kofi is a site where you can financially support content creators like Chris and I, and you know we're grateful for everyone who supports us, no matter how, whether it's through Kofi, whether it's telling a friend uh, to check out the podcast. We're just we're feeling the love, so thank you very much. And it's listener question time. Mm-hmm. Okay, we had quite a few questions last episode that kind of leaked over into this episode because. We ran out of time. So we're going to answer Rebecca from a Tip of the Tongue podcast. She had several questions. Mm-hmm. And first question is, what question are you asked the most? Tara? So we tend to get asked about, like, who are your favorite authors? What are your favorite books? What are the books that we wish people would read? I think that's probably the most common. Did I miss yeah, any? I think so too. No, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then what is the hardest to answer? Okay, see above. See the last question. <laughs> uh, favorite author, favorite, author. favorite <laughs> books, books we wish people would read. Right. I Well, why do you find this question so hard? Well, it changes all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, plus you could mention a book from 10 years ago that has content that is no longer really acceptable, but it was good at the time, but it's not your list now because so much has changed. You have changed. The world has changed. So that's just a really hard question. I know. I also find like to try to pinpoint one or two books, I almost feel like I'm betraying all the other books that I love. Like, like I'm saying, you're not good enough. And it's like, well, that's not true. There's just so much to choose from. Yeah. And you have to be in a certain mood, you know, for a certain book. Mm-hmm. So it's hard. I mean, you can go back to the classics like most people do, whether it's regular classics or lesbic classics yes and even that changes for me well what do you think are the lesbic classics because i have a couple that i point to or a handful that that i would point to pretty regularly but i'd be curious to know if they line up with yours well uh obviously curious why yes i think that's almost everybody's like number one this is my first book that i ever read that's canon yeah yeah Mm -hmm. so um yeah what about you yeah, I would say definitely Curious Twine. For some, I've heard Patience and Sarah brought up um, quite a bit, which I actually haven't read yet. But it was one that I remember, oh, geez, I can't remember who told me. But the author would go and just like to bars and hand sell the books in some cases. But it was like a lesbian romance before a lesbian romance was a genre. I would say some of the early Radcliffe Right. Like if you look at um Lee Lynch. Oh god, yeah. Lee Lynch, absolutely. Karen Callmaker. And even I mean we talked about her we talked about her last time, Ann Bannon. 
You don't get there without Anne Bannon. And then, of course, before that, The Well of Loneliness, which I've also not read because I've been told it's incredibly depressing. Oh, yeah. So I have to to pick my moment. And actually, for similar reasons, depressing probably isn't the right word for that one, but uh, difficult. Uh, Stone Butch Blues by Leslie Feynman. I haven't read that either. Um, And I would like to, but I need it to be a time where it doesn't feel like we're living in a flaming hell mouth. (laughs) You know, she actually offered that for free several months ago. Yeah, it's, well, they died. Oh, geez. I don't actually know when they died, but they always wanted that book to remain free. And so their partner continues to have it as, I believe, a PDF on their website. Right. And so I I did actually get it several months ago. I haven't read it yet, but I did get it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Rebecca also asked, what do you wish someone would ask you? What do you think? Well, we usually talk about what we want. Mm -hmm. So I guess our question then is, what do people want to know? What what do do you all want to know? Like, what, what should we talk about? Yeah, the only thing I could think we of, do. we right? Um, the only thing I could think of is I would love it if instead of saying like what what's your favorite book, people looking for specific trope based recommendations. I love answering questions like that because I've read so much and we tend to tag when I when I load my reviews on Goodreads, I put a bunch of tags in them, and then at the Lesbian Review, there is like a truly bananas number of tags that we use. Um, at our site so that you can really find a lesbian book about just about anything and so for i love helping people find a book that they're going to care about right because then you feel responsible when they love it yes like i told you it's great yes yeah i love that feeling but it's so hard because like i'm happy to share when i love a book obviously or this podcast would have been a lot more difficult to do Uh, that's true but i i can't always guarantee that my tastes are going to line up with somebody else's and so like i'm happy to share that information but please don't come back and yell at me if you don't like the book i had somebody <laughs> I do that once not <gasps> with this podcast really? no not with this podcast but like as a as a reader they're like oh what romances do you love and so i threw out this one by gunbrook oh geez what's it called it's the one where it's this like singing superstar and the new the head of the new record company or something like that. But anyway, I liked it. She writes super angsty romances and this was one of them. And this person came back to me and they were so angry at how angsty it was. And I was like, I'm sorry. I didn't know that you don't like angst. And so honestly, for me, I'm happy to give recommendations all day long, but I need to know what you like for it to actually be an effective right. recommendation. So right. that was a bit awkward. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. Rebecca also said, awesome pod. Thank you for all your hard work. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rebecca. And like Chris said, Rebecca has her own podcast called A Tip of the Tongue. Right. It's also a lesbian based podcast. Definitely. If you enjoy ours, go check that one out too. Yes. So Chris... What yes. have you been reading or watching? I have so much to talk about. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, so first of all, I finished my manuscript, so I turned that in only one day <sighs> late. Woo! Congratulations. Also, Yay. I feel like only one day late in it's not bad. this year of <laughs> <laughs> of awful is actually, that's not only not bad, bad that is excellent. Yes, I'm very proud of myself. And it's the longest book yet. Really? Yes, but of course, I turn in like 85,000 and it'll get knocked down to 70 because that's how it works. Are you talking about the premise yet? With uh, Are you talking fairly openly about it yet? Do you want to tell the listeners uh, what it's all really? about? We can. It's called, uh, what is this called? Oh, it's called Forever. Gosh, you would think I would remember that since I just spent the last three months of my life with it. <laughs> it is it is a play on The Bachelorette, mm-hmm. and it's a national TV show where my character uh, was on the original version of When Sparks Fly, which was the lesbian dating show. And then 10 years later, they asked her to do an anniversary show, a 10-year anniversary show where there are only 10 contestants, and it's a shortened season. 
And so she wants to show the world that you can find love on TV and that she's doing okay because she got dumped bad mm-hmm. the first season. She was young. She was 22 years old. Oh, yeah. She was there at a party, have a good time. And uh, so then when she's asked 10 years later, you know, she has a business. She's, you know, responsible adult in, you know, the world. And so it's, it's about her journey and, and falling in love. I'm so excited about this one. You know, it's kind of funny because I have seen The Bachelorette and The Bachelor like a bajillion times. Mm-hmm. So I know everything. I know, like, I know what to, what they say. And it was fun learning the behind the scenes, you know, of how the shows actually work and how much time is spent on filming one particular scene. Mm-hmm. And so I got to play a lot. There's, there's a lot of tongue-in-cheek type moments because... They're so cheesy, but we all watch them because deep down inside, we all want this romance and we want to believe that it's real, that you can, you know, meet somebody this way. Mm-hmm. And so I finally finished that up because I was trying to figure out the ending. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to end this. So I'm like just typing along and also like, I got the ending. And, and, you know, it never has happened that late before. Usually I know like a month before the ending, but it was three days. So oh it was my goodness! Two days before it was due, and it took me three days to write. Was that stressful? It was crazy. It was very stressful. It was so stressful that my my editor actually reached out and said, "You know what? Hey, Tiger, take an extra week. Mm-hmm. It's no big deal. No rush." And I'm like, "I can't because I have something else due. Like I have something else due in November, and then I have something else due January first. So I can't take a break. I have to keep going." But I did take a couple days, and I watched a shit ton of stuff. Tell us about. All of this okay. stuff. Well, I'm still watching The Walking Dead, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm in AMC Plus because I'm that person, and I need to know what happens a week in advance. Yes. So I'm ahead of uh, the rest of the world on The Walking Dead, watching the L Word Generation Q. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk about the two movies I saw that I think everybody needs to see. All right. What are they? Okay. So the first one is a movie on Netflix. It's called He's All That. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how funny this movie is, but it only really makes sense if you watched, back in 1999, there was a movie called She's All That. Right. With Freddie Prince Jr., Paul Walker, Usher's in it, Kevin Pollock, Anna Paquin, and the cast is ginormous. I forgot it was that like Paul a Walker movie. was in it. Yes, he was the meanie <gasps> guy who was like, oh, yes, he was the mean one. He was kind of the, not really bully, yeah, he was a bully. Yeah, so anyway, the lead in that is uh, Rachel Lee Cook, mm-hmm. and uh, she was the one that they tried to fix up for, you know. Yeah, they just had I'm to take her glasses off. I'm going to give you X amount of time. <laughs> yeah, they took her glasses off and put a dress on it. I'm like, God, she's beautiful. <laughs> so, but here's the great thing. So in this movie, Rachel Lee Cook is the mom. No. She is the mom in this role. What? So like five minutes into the show, I'm like throwing soft things at the TV because I can't believe it. Okay. So she is the mom, and he's all that. And and then uh, the principal is somebody who was in the movie, too. It's uh, somebody named Matthew Lillard, and he ended up being a reality show cast member, but he was dating, like, the popular girl at the high school. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and then there's a dance-off. There was a dance-off in the original, and there's a dance-off in the second. <laughs> and it was just, like, this is so cheesy and wonderful, and, like, everything nostalgic in me just blossomed. It was just a great movie so if you've seen the first movie if you watched it back in 1999 when i was like two Mm -hmm. uh, watched it then you definitely have to watch this one too because you're gonna love it so that was great kind of love i had no idea that that was even released like did it go to theaters or uh you know who knows the first one or the second one the second one i know the first one did the second one i remember seeing the first so the second i was thinking yeah, with all those, with that cast of surely it was in the uh, uh, in the theaters. But this one, I don't know because of the pandemic. A lot of times they do it simultaneously uh, yeah. now. Mm-hmm. So it's like uh, Amazon Prime will release things that you can also watch mm-hmm. you know, in the theaters. And same thing with HBO Max. They're doing that as well. Yeah. So mm-hmm. who cares? It's there on Amazon for free or Netflix. I think it's Amazon. I do think it's Amazon. It sounds like fun. Yeah. Me and Amazon, we had a great relationship this week because they also put out the movie Cinderella. Mm-hmm. Cinderella. And it it was unbelievable. It was so good. Really? 
fantastic cast, mm-hmm. and incredible song mash- mashups. Tell me more. Well, first of all, I, wa- I was almost going to make this my recommendation because Billy Porter mm-hmm. is, is Fab G, which is the godmother. Yes. I love that. It's like a genderless version of a fairy godmother. And so Billy says magic doesn't have any gender. So it's super, Aww. like, it's fantastic. So, but it wasn't enough. Like, Billy was only in there for a short, short amount of time. Yeah. So, anyway, Camilla Cabello plays Cinderella. Mm-hmm. So, of course, you know, she's singing the shit out of all the songs. And she sounds amazing. Uh, Idina Menzel plays mm-hmm. her stepmother. Hello? Elsa. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's the only thing she's known as in this house when you uh, have two little girls. Yeah. And Minnie Driver and Pierce Brosnan, a.k.a. Remington Steele, they play the king and queen. Oh, fun. Yeah. And like James Corden's in this. And it's just a great, just a great cast. And then they mash up songs that I'm just like, no, they did not just do this. And it sounds amazing. So it's kind of like a musical and they mash up Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation with You've Gotta Be by Desiree. What? Two songs you think don't have anything in common no. or could make. It's great. It's absolutely great. And they also did it with um, White Stripes, Seven Nation Army, and Salt and Pepper, What a Man. <laughs> what? Yeah, you have to see this movie. How? It's so clever, and it's PG, and it's just wonderful. Oh, good. Well, that's so, maybe what And it's can... great. Yeah, yeah, definitely watch it with the kids because it has such a good message. So Cinderella's like, I don't need a man. You know, the prince comes after her. And she's like, I don't need a man to be happy. So, yes. you know, the ending's absolutely great. It's She takes care of herself, and it's kind of like it, it kind of slashes down the whole patriarch society and what's expected also of the son being the prince. So it's fun. I think you should uh, watch it. I love that. That is very exciting. Yes. And I think important because I remember, geez, I think it might have been last year. We've been pretty open with our kids trying to help them understand that, you know, anybody can love anybody. Anyone can marry anybody. Gender is, you know, there's no such thing as boys clothes or girls clothes, all of that. And it took our six-year-old, so she would have been five at that point. She just watched Little Mermaid and then she's like, yep, and only girls can only marry boys. We were like, pardon what? (laughs) (laughs) what wait (laughs) this is not what we've been saying and like just the way disney often constructs their narratives are so almost insidiously heteronormative like really putting forward that like no these are the only kinds of relationships these are the way that girls are these are the and so i love the idea of something like cinderella that's deliberately counter to all of that telling girls that you can be more you can have more you can expect more because that is not you don't need a man to do it yeah and so it's frozen did the exact same thing yeah i mean if you think about it frozen kind of shattered the ceiling on that with true love it was the love between sisters that saved it's true so we saw there was definitely progression yes. going on happening in the last two years three years four years however long when was frozen when did it come out like four years ago oh no longer for sure we're oh, gonna look God. it up though because there's two of them old? now right no i'm gonna break right. your heart i'm looking this uh the first frozen <laughs> came out in 2013 oh my god it was that was eight, eight years, years ago, ago. <laughs> how is that possible it felt like yesterday yeah i know but just think we've been hearing let it go for much longer than two years that's true i forgot about that i can sing all the words i will i will not do that for you right now though (laughs) i will spare everybody's ears okay so i'm sorry um tara what have you been reading and watching this week it's all about me drag race all stars season six is over and i am so thrilled that kylie sonic love is the queen who won her story has been so interesting because she went home the fourth episode of season two i believe 
And so it's been 11 years since she was on. And, you know, she went home for a terrible Lady Gaga impression in uh, the Snatch Game, which is like the celebrity impersonation challenge. Like, it was painfully bad. And what was interesting there was that it was in the reunion episode, um, actually, that she came out kind of to the whole world as trans and talked about how, you know, knowing that she was a trans woman, but continuing to try to present as a man for the show was really uh, harmful and kind of got in her head and got in her way. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So she's like gone on to have this incredible drag career anyway, and she's transitioned and all that. So she comes on the show and I have to be honest, she was one of the ones where I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. All right. It's cool that she's here. That's fine. We'll see if she does anything. I don't know. I wouldn't (laughs) be surprised if she went home pretty quickly. She did not home pretty quickly she came to win (laughs) she came to win oh my goodness she was so good like she was funny she was vulnerable she put everything into her challenges and even in the finale she was so gorgeous in like the challenge and the runway and then they all had to lip sync at the end and she did a thing that like should have taken her out of like one of those moments that like it should have been the end for her but immediately turned it into there's no way anybody's going to beat her because she tripped and it looked like she was going Ah. to fall right yeah like tripping and falling during a lip sync is not good but because she's also a gymnast she tripped and immediately turned it into a tumble and then slid (laughs) on the floor in this like super sexy pose and i'm like how how did this even happen (laughs) and honestly like the entire top four was so strong because there was also eureka there was ginger minge and raja o'hara and raja o'hara was another one that like the way she went home in her main season so when she showed up here i was like oh she's not gonna be here long and like she made it to the end and she was fierce and honestly any of them to me, it was conceivable that any of them could have won. And so I was really trying. Usually in competition shows, I'm like, this person, this person, this person, right up to the end, like hoping they're going to win. And actually, I was doing the opposite where I was trying to like clear my mind and not assume who it's going to be because I was so afraid it was not going to be Kylie. And then it was. And I like hollered, even though everybody in my house was asleep. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, sh- 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 be quiet. It just, it felt so momentous for the whole franchise because yeah i mean the the franchise started i think in in 2009 and this is the first time a trans queen has won i mean trans queens have competed but no one's actually ever won the crown before and so i am so excited for her she absolutely earned it she did some incredible stuff this season and while any of them would have been absolutely deserving i just i don't know it feels good when your top pick is the one who wins on a competition show and then the other thing that i watched recently is a film from 2000 i think it came out in 2018 and it's called wild nights with emily and it's about emily dickinson but before the show that you watched came out because I think, what was that show called again? It was called Dickinson. I still haven't seen Dickinson. I will at some point. Oh, I'm probably actually course. likelier to watch it now that I've watched this. And I know a little bit more See, about Emily Dickinson. It's like when somebody tells you something and you refuse to believe it. But then a stranger tells you and you're like, oh my God, I should have been here. <laughs> I'm like, Hello, I've been telling you all along. I know. Yes, okay. I know. Honestly, uh, the only reason I haven't watched it yet is just because I forgot it existed. <laughs> I should have watched it right away. And then it was one of those. I was like, yeah, I'm going to watch that movie. And then my brain was like, check, you did it. And it's like, well, I I didn't. This is not a helpful part of my brain. No, your brain lies. (laughs) No. So Wild Nights with Emily came out a year before this. And I remember reading about it and going, huh, that sounds kind of interesting. Because Molly Shannon, who's most famous for Saturday Night Live. Superstar. Yeah, exactly. That one. <laughs> she plays Emily Dickinson. No. Yes. No. Yes, in her later years. No. And you know what? She's really good. Really? She's really good. It's a really, 
I've never seen her quite like this before because in some of her performance, she's quite sedate. But this was kind of the first visual media thing that really blew the doors off of what people thought of Emily Dickinson. Like, everybody thinks of her as, like, creepy and reclusive and, you know, she didn't want her poems published and she was alone and didn't have love and blah, 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 blah. And so... I did a little bit. Of, I, I did a little bit of reading. Emphasis on little, but I guess it was in um, 1998 that they actually figured out that so many of her poems, and especially like the most sensual poems, were addressed to Susan, who was her sister-in-law. And so this yes. movie is really about that relationship and shows her as this like very sensual woman who has this very passionate affair for most of her life with Susan. And we even see like who one of her other lovers was, which put a bit of a rift between them for a little while, um, which is also just like true facts. <laughs> That's a thing that nobody knew that she had an affair with this other woman named Kate. I enjoyed it. And I think I do recommend it. But if people are going to watch this, you need to be prepared for a movie that's kind of slow and very quirky. Like, it often came across as strange to me, and I think it's because the movie, it almost doesn't know what genre it is. And I don't know if that totally makes sense, but, like, there was one part where the comedy was so absurd, I was laughing until I was weeping. I had to actually pause <laughs> the film because I couldn't pay attention anymore because I was laughing so hard. And truly, it's one of probably the funniest things I've seen in film. But then so much of the rest of it was very contemplative and slow. And so we see a lot of these like quite slow pace of life moments. And so just the tone sort of felt off to me all over the place. Her poetry is often brought in, which I think is nice and placing it kind of within context so that you can see, oh, this is okay. This is what this is about. The other thing that I thought was really interesting I didn't know that her first editor, well, first of all, was even a woman. Like, I didn't know who her first editor was, but I went and I read an interview with the director of the film. And she pointed out that, so the first editor actually shows up as a character in, in the film. So her name is Mabel Todd. Mabel Todd had a long affair, like a many years affair, with Emily Dickinson's brother, a.k.a. Susan's husband. And she had massive beef with Susan, you know, as the other woman. And so there's speculation that that's why Susan got written and their relationship basically got rewritten for the whole world as this like very kind of chilly relationship, nothing sexual, nothing, anything like that. And so it was really interesting kind of seeing the power that an editor can have just by getting in there first. So, like, everybody is screaming at you right now mm -hmm. because of Dickinson. That all of this <laughs> comes to light in Dickinson. Well, so... all I'm saying is if you want to see another take. <laughs> it's the same thing, only the people are older. They are old. But you this know what? Is... I also kind of love that they're older because, you know, you're seeing these women that they do have some wrinkles in their face and yet have this, like, incredibly passionate... I mean, I'm... the. This, it doesn't have, like, graphic sex scenes, but, like, they're making out in this highly believable way. And, like, you really can see the, the fondness and the, the decades between them and all that. And I really love that. That it's not just young people. Yeah, but it's, I mean, like, the whole thing with marriage and the, the brother and, mm -hmm. and Susan and stuff. That all happened when they were young. Yes. So, so that's, I don't know. Well, I mean, this goes think, until her death. I, think, um, I don't, I. I think we're like, we need a season three of, of Dickinson, but who knows with COVID. Like if we're going to oh, have a season yeah. three. Are we going to have a season? I don't know. Let me check. Season three of Dickinson. Is it coming? That's true. Like th the thing that COVID has done to movie productions or not movie productions, uh, TV productions specifically has thrown the same kind of like wrench and questions in. Like it reminds me of, do you remember that writer's strike? When was yes, it? Like I in do. the, in the, was it in the nineties? No, it was later than that. It was in the 2000s. Yeah, the baseball strike was in the, it was in the 90s. 
No, it was in, it was in the 2000s. But that writer's strike where it's like, I remember the TV show Heroes was so good and so fun. And then that happened. And then it was like the worst thing that could have happened to that TV show because it just went to garbage after uh, that. hate that. Oh, and by the way, just an FYI, Dickinson uh, is returning this fall. <sighs> Oh, it says, Dickinson Season 3, everything we know so far. The Apple TV show's third and final season will debut November 5th. Hmm. Okay, so I'm sad, but I'm also happy that we get it still. Yeah. I wonder how long it'll go. Season. Uh, maybe 10 episodes and that's it. Oh, sorry. Season. I mean into Emily's life. Oh. Uh, we'll find out, won't we? Because there's they'll a- probably be young. Well, I don't know. They might end it where she's, you know, they age the character. Yeah, they might. Like I really, up until the last moment, I really wasn't totally sure, and then I thought, like, it just closes on the most perfect. Uh, you're not gonna watch this, are you? I don't know. I mean, I love Emily Dickinson. Hello. Hmm. Fine. You know I won't me? tell you. I was going to tell you. Don't tell me. I won't tell you. I won't tell anybody else either. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna watch. I watch everything, so I'll watch this. Yeah, it's okay. just be prepared for like quirky. I'm good with quirky because Dickinson slow. is totally quirky. I'm not a slow. It's all right. I'll be able to write during that time. Right? It's. I. Th- I actually think it might be perfect for you to write too. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! It'll be inspirational and at the same time entertaining. Mm-hmm. I'm in. Mm-hmm. And then I'll talk to you about that one scene after you've seen it because okay. I Sounds tried cool. describing it to Neil yesterday morning <laughs> and I like, was laughing with tears again just describing it to him. <laughs> oh, uh, but again, like so totally, like that's why I say like the movie is so totally off that when that happened, I wonder if part of what made it so hilarious to me was also like, a, are we in the same movie? <laughs> What's going on? I don't understand. To be fair. I had had an edible before. Oh, okay. I started. Well, I'll let you know if it says as funny to me, sober. Yes, that is what I would like to know. know. That is a great question. All right, so Chris, what is your official recommendation this week? Okay, so my official recommendation is a movie that just came out called Joe Bell, Uh and it's available to rent like on demand. I don't know if it's at the movie theater or not, but. It is a. It has a really good cast, and I'm going to read you the blurb, and then okay. we'll talk about triggers. Okay. So the blurb reads: "The true story of a small town working class father who embarks on a solo walk across the U.S. to crusade against bullying after his son is tormented in high school for being gay." So the trigger warnings is, of course, we have bullying, we have suicide, we have just people being assholes, and just small town life mm-hmm. sometimes it's good a lot of times it's not mm-hmm. also full warning this is a tearjerker i cried and cried several times throughout the movie mm-hmm. but i think it's necessary to watch because i think joe bell's reaction to his son coming out probably rings true for so many people joe is played by marky mark mark Wahlberg. Mm-hmm. he will always be marky mark to me <laughs> um he Always, like ever. I mean, to be um, fair, that's true for a lot of us. <laughs> so Joe is blue-collar, hard-working American living in small town Oregon, some town in Oregon. And it starts off, and he, he's going to sit down and watch some game. I'm sure it's like college football. And his friends are there, and his son, Jaden, asks to see him for a moment. And he's like, really, Joe? Right? Or he goes, really, Jaden? Right now? Like, the game is getting ready to start. You know, and he's... They don't have, like, DVR or pause or anything like that. It's just, like, you know, just regular TV and people are just watching it. And so he goes into the kitchen with his son. And he's like, what? What is so important? And Jaden tells him that he's being bullied at school. There are a lot of kids picking on him. And he's like, well, I told you I put you in classes on how to defend yourself. I think it's Taekwondo, but I'm not 100% mm-hmm. sure. He goes, I did this for a reason. I need you to use your skills. And Jaden's like, no, they're bullying me because I'm gay. And so Joe's kind of stunned at first. Then he says something really weird. And his wife, Lola's like, but we love you, right? And he's like, yeah, I love you. And then he leaves. And 
like at that moment he completely failed his son and you could see it like his mm-hmm. son's like just crying and he's just like joe's like i don't even know what to do with this information and he just goes to do what he does best and he's like just putting it aside and he's watching the football game so he tells his family joe tells his family he's okay with it but he's constantly barking at his son like his son joins the cheerleading squad and they're out front cheering and he's like get the fuck back into the backyard don't be doing this out front mm-hmm. and so his son you know is like just crying because like his life is shit like kids are like making fun of him at school and then his dad he doesn't really have the support of his dad you know his mom of course is, is extremely supportive and you know she's trying hard to get joe to get on board and understand his son more and so one night Joe goes into his son's room, wakes him up, and he says, I love you, and I'm going to try better. Mm-hmm. You know, he's just, he's, you know that Joe's completely embarrassed by his son because mm-hmm. he is a cheerleader, and you see him um, at the games, you see the parents looking around and how other parents are making fun of his son. So it's real hard for him to, to come to terms with that. So he, like, leaves the football game, and they go to school, uh, the parents and Jaden, they go to the school and talk to the principal and said, look, like Jaden was jumped in the school locker room. People were like beating him up, messing with him. And the principal's like, look, this is a small town. If you press charges against these kids, it's going to be really hard for you as, as his adult, as his parents, because they're going to make life hard for you too. Mm-hmm. So basically the principal does nothing at all to help. Okay, so earlier I mentioned that the one of the triggers is suicide, and that's because uh, Jaden becomes so overwhelmed with everything in his life that's not helpful that he ends up committing suicide. And that's when Joe decides to go on this cross-country track to talk to people about bullying and the extreme um, negative consequences of it. And you see the character, you see Jaden with joe while he's on this journey but he's not really there it's just uh from you know it's like a figment of joe's mind and he's having these open conversations with his son Mm -hmm. so that as a mental um kind of a mental awareness just to actually talk to somebody who's talking to his son who really isn't there but it really helps him understand Mm -hmm. and i still think you know i mean it's a it's it's a really emotional movie. It's not all not all movies are like happy endings, but I feel like this is a great movie for parents who either have queer children or uh, children who are queer and they they want their parents to see a movie or just kind of get the the feeling for what it's like for for somebody who is queer going through this. It's it's not. I mean, there are safe safe spaces, but like Jaden never could find a safe space. And uh, it's so important for queer children to have, queer people in general, to have safe spaces. And that is what this movie is kind of about. Mm-hmm. So it's very emotional. It's not necessarily entirely happy, but it's, uh, it's very good. And if anybody is looking for resources, if you are a queer, if you are a parent of a queer kid and don't know what to do, if there is somebody in your life who is a parent of a queer kid that you think could just need some support and learning definitely go and connect with your local p flag chapter um i forget what it stands for but that's exactly what it's for it's like for parents of uh queer kids and if you're uh you know a queer teenager who has been bullied or if you have again any any queer kids in your life that you think are being bullied and kind of need that support and to understand that it really does get better and that suicide doesn't have to be the only option please check out the resources that the folks at the trevor project have because they do such important life-saving work right and it feels so overwhelming when you're younger when you're a teenager or young adult but it does get better and you will find people who are like you and it's just it's such a good feeling but it's just a matter of of hanging in there and just and knowing that things will be okay mm-hmm. yeah it's kind of a kind of a kind of a downer movie but it says so much that the message is very important that's what i was going to say like it sounds like it's not going to be a comfortable movie but that it's a really important movie and yes. that you know i think as much as 
people like to say everything's better we're so much better there's marriage equality everything's better like it's not always better and especially for um especially for youth who they may not feel safe um so i i love that i love that you're bringing something that can help everybody learn and think yeah i think so and and it's kind of like even my parents you know they uh they are they're older they're very supportive though but they're not like my dad isn't a hundred percent there i mean he is mm-hmm. but at the same time it's just like he was he fights the way he was raised and what he believes in, you know, to kind of terms to come to terms with with who I am. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, I love my dad. My dad loves me, and I'm sure he would probably like come to some events and things like that. My mom would be like, she'd be wearing the the hug me shirts, I'll be <laughs> your mom shirts, you know, waving the flags yeah. and everything, because my mom is just that person. And I think my dad's, you know, he's military and just a little just always kind of holding in his emotions although the older he gets the more he cries Mm -hmm. i find that interesting Mm -hmm. but yeah and and i remember dealing i mentored a queer child while they were going through middle school and high school and that was my message it's like you things will get better you will find people like you that you can have a whole new family with know because their family wasn't exactly supportive so um it's just a matter of finding the right people finding somebody to talk to about everything and just finding your safe space mm-hmm. and then you know unfortunately in this movie Jaden never found it and it's so important to find that yeah so anyway enough about that uh, <laughs> hopefully Tara you have something a little bit more uplifting to to recommend this week for our listeners uh yeah so my recommendation is kind of on the other end of the spectrum because it's a super fluffy angst-free lesbian romance <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yay Woo! so my recommendation is for i believe it's her most recent release uh, but it's called about that kiss it's by harper bliss i have been a fan of harper bliss's from when all she was publishing was like short stories um and so I have not read all of her full-length novels, but I've read most of them. And I have to say, this is probably up there in, like, my top five. It's one of my favorites. And I think it doesn't hurt that it's a Hollywood celebrity romance. I am a gigantic sucker for those. I love them. And in this case, I was intrigued because it's about two basically, like, mega actresses falling for each other and so faye fleming is one of the leads she's a massive star she's collected a few oscars over you know recent years um she's been cast in a lesbian romantic comedy uh that's supposed to be this like the romantic comedy of the summer or whatever um and she is opposite ida burton ida burton try that again uh, who used to be Hollywood's sweetheart. So I kind of imagined her as the, like, um, Julia Roberts or Sandra Bullock type. Um, and so Faye is straight. She's always thought of herself as straight. But Ida is actually a closeted lesbian. And she's a little tired of staying in the closet. You know, she's over 40. I think she's... They're actually both pretty close to 50, actually. Um, but like Ida's career took kind of a bit of a nosedive after turning 40, which is, you know, not uncommon for what we hear out of right. Hollywood. It's also around that time, though, that her ex-husband came out publicly as gay and they divorced. So they were both gay and they were kind of like shielding each other um, with this marriage, their best friends. And coming into the film, Faye is actually a little intimidated by Ida because she's so charismatic. She has that smile, the smile that just like captured America and this idea that like, that's who I'm going up against. It was kind of, I guess for me, it was a little surprising because, you know, she's this multi Oscar winning actor, but at the same time, it's like, oh yeah. I mean, actors can still get tongue tied around a favorite celebrity too, I guess. Oh, sure. And so they have this incredible chemistry on screen. Everything is going great. 
until they have to film their first kiss. And right things just kind of go from there because that is when ida realizes oh shit i have a crush on Faye." chris has her hand up nobody can see it <laughs> i have my i have a question yes so the movie is the movie a queer movie like in the yes book, the movie... okay so... yes so that's the thing so they're okay. leads opposite each other so they're these two characters that are falling in love in this lesbian rom-com and so that was um the only there were only two things that i didn't find um super believable in this uh book the first okay. is um their names because there is no way that an actress who would be doing work right now in her 40s would have been allowed to keep the name Ida or Faye. That just, right. I found that a little bit distracting. Um, like, I'm just trying to imagine if Nicole Kidman showed up and was like, hello, my name is Ida. They would have been like, no, it's not. No, you're not. It's <laughs> Your name <Kate>. is Nicole. <laughs> yeah. Or Nicole. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, mm, right. Mm. Um, yeah, names are important. They really are important in, in books and the livability of a, of a book slash movie. Yeah. Get it right. Yeah. The uh, other was that I was like, really? How their Hollywood's going to do a big old blockbuster out of a lesbian rom-com now? Are they? I mean, I want them to do that. For that sure. would be incredible if they did that. <laughs> but right now we're just trying to get, you know, lesbian romances get- on the Hallmark channel. <laughs> Or, yeah, The Happiest Season, you know, where they actually, you know, have mainstream Christmas lesbian, mm-hmm. but a good one, Christmas lesbian movie. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I you know, I, those things kind of like stretch the bounds of believability a little bit for me. But then I was like, eh, I don't care. So it's kind of one of those, as long as you can get past that and say that you don't care, it's a lot of fun. Um, so the reason that Faye even got involved with this, because like I said, she always thought of herself as straight, but she's actually friends with Charlie and Ava who are characters from another book called release the stars. Charlie was a novelist in that book, but she's actually moved on to uh, screenwriting. She's adapted nice. some of her books um, into films. And now this is like, she's just written the script for this one. And Ava actually talks Faye into it saying like, look, we need famous people like you to come out and act in movies like this to try to normalize it, which I thought was absolutely a great message. I fully get behind because it's about two actors together. It actually reminds me a little bit of, um, and playing the role of yourself by Kate Elaine, um, except Unlike that book, there's not a character who keeps getting attacked and injured and all this, like all that stuff that kept happening to Kate in that book. There's none of that. There's no stalker. There's no any of that kind of like high drama stuff. It's just like a pretty great low angst. I mean, yeah, Faye has to figure out her feelings. I suppose my other kind of gripe with this book is that I was a little disappointed as a bisexual reader that she doesn't pause to consider perhaps I might be a bisexual little person. Oh, yeah. Um, But I still really enjoyed seeing her have to reconcile those like, huh, I've only ever been attracted to men before, but I'm pretty into Ida. Oh, wait, our sex is pretty great, too. Okay, that's cool. Like, it just, I don't know, it's fun. And I think it would be fun to see this adapted as like a TV show or a film or something like that, because there's just something like there's enough meat to the story that I think it could be really fun to watch on the screen. Nice. So that is my uh, recommendation. I was reading it. I, I actually really recommend it. Like if you're in a stressful period and you want something like really sweet and gentle, to distract you highly, highly recommend. Um, because for me, I was reading it when we were in the days leading up to our kids going back into the schools because we did online learning last year. And, um, you know, in our province, our COVID numbers were drastically climbing and our provincial leadership was not present. And so I had a lot of anxiety <laughs> all around and I could not put this book down. Nice. 
Like to be able to really escape into a book in a high anxiety period is always a gift. And yeah, it was perfect for that. Like if you want to get out of the world, nothing about COVID, no climate change worries, no (laughs) anything political, except of course the beautifully um, political, I don't even know if that's the way you put it. Fuck. There's a line that I used to say pretty frequently about, um, well, I mean, it's that like writing about queer love is a political act. So if you want to enjoy that uh, political act, but without all the politics of the world. Right. That's better. Yeah. I love it. Thank you. That's what I was trying to do. I do. Honestly, I was going towards a point. It was just taking a little there. while to get there. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like me. Uh, we're just trying our best. We are. But yeah, honestly, it's a super fun book, especially if you love celebrity uh, romances like Hollywood romances yes. and especially ones where it's like a celebrity paired with a celebrity because there's kind of fun in both ways, right? Like you can also find a ton of really fun celebrity romances where it's like a celebrity with a non-celebrity and it's like, oh, can you right. deal with can you deal with that versus this one where it's like, no, it's two celebrities. What are they going to do if one of them wants to go public? What about the other one who's only just figuring out her sexuality? Like. It covers some fun stuff. So that is all for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've enjoyed the episode and you're not already subscribing, please just hit that little subscribe button on whatever podcast app you're using so you can get notified every time we release a new episode. And if you have somebody in your life that you think would like to get regular queer media recommendations, please just tell them about the show and get them to subscribe too. Yeah, and if you want to reach out with us, what? Be able to reach out to us on your favorite social media sites. Just search for Clearly Recommended on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or email us at podcast at clearlyrecommended.com. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.